All right, how does today's report that OU and Texas won't be in the SEC until 2025 affect OU football recruiting? I guess that's the story that we're talking no, about No, no, the story, <laughs> Tyler, is how does the Chinese spy balloon affect recruiting? That's what everybody's yeah. tuning in for. Well, that's, that's got Jimbo Fisher vibes all over it, the, the uh, spy balloon. Is that just me? I think Jimbo's up to something here. And I love that Forbes said uh, busting that Chinese spy balloon is harder than you think. Is it really? I don't, I don't feel like it would be all that difficult, Forbes. We have something called missiles. But, hey, I, I am not believing – well, I, I'm believing that there's some validity to the report that's coming out today. I still believe that OU will be in the SEC after this year. I'm still keeping hope alive. And as Brett McMurphy reported about an hour ago, like that makes me even more confident that someone's going to figure out a way to get a deal done. But, you know, joking aside, like in all seriousness, does this in your mind whatsoever, this new report, you know how negative recruiting works – does it affect OU recruiting in any stretch at all or not at n- none, zero? No, not particularly because especially when you're looking ahead to the 2024 class and you're recruiting these kids, you're telling them, look, unless you're good enough to play and play substantially as a true freshman, which obviously everybody hopes is the case, but the, the, the deck's going to be stacked against you. And assuming that in year two – uh, you're starting to see the field in a substantial capacity for the first time. We're going to be in the SEC by that point. So you'll be playing SEC ball for the meaningful portion of your career in Crimson and Cream. So I do not feel as though it affects recruiting one way or another. I don't feel as though OU being in the Big 12 for another year and maybe two affected recruiting this past cycle because they recruited literally better than every single team in the United States outside of Alabama, Georgia, and Texas, which are all – SEC programs. So you've already experienced the SEC recruiting boom. That's not going away. And if you spend another year in the Big 12, it's not the worst thing. I'm one of those, Tyler, that would like to see Oklahoma in the SEC in 2024, but I'm not going to quibble over it if it doesn't happen until 2025. Yeah, I mean, you get a chance to really build up the roster before you go into the SEC, but I, I, I want to be in the SEC in 2024. It's just awkward. It's like a cloud hanging over right now. Let's just all part ways here after this year, and let's go our separate ways, and let's let OU be in the SEC in 2024 for the first year of the expanded playoff to 12 teams. I agree with you, man. Like, look, if – And I don't doubt that teams are probably using this from time to time as a negative recruiting tactic against OU. Well, they're not in the SEC yet. And, yeah, you might only get to play one, maybe two years in the SEC. If it was that big of a deal, we would have seen it in this year's recruiting rankings. But instead, Parker, to your point, they had the best year in Florida that maybe they've ever had. They've had their best year in Kansas City that they've probably ever had. And they went to every single time zone in the continental U.S. to get players. Um, it, they'll, they'll be just fine. They'll be okay. And again, I think that they will be in the SEC in 24, but I don't foresee this as any sort of an obstacle for the 2024 class. No, no, it's not. And anybody who says it is, is just milking it for content. Oklahoma is still going to recruit at an elite level in the 2024 class as they did in 2023, as they will in 2025, regardless of when the move to the SEC happens. When Oklahoma makes that transition, they will have SEC caliber talent and SEC caliber recruits at every single position across the board. Uh, Sam and Edmund says, that's a Notre Dame balloon. They were headed for Oregon but forgot Peyton Bowen signed at OU. I, I don't think Notre Dame is going to forget that anytime soon. 
<laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so either. 405, I'm tired of getting shafted by the Zebras. Need to go to the SEC ASAP. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was bad last year. Um, game in and game out in the Big 12. But are we just under the assumption that the SEC is just going to treat you uh, fairly? I, I don't know. Like, there, that's a thought in the back of my mind, Parker, is that how's the SEC going to treat you the first year or two that you're out there? Yet to be seen. I mean, are you? Will you feel like SEC is going to give OU the bully treatment? I don't know. Like maybe new, new kid on the playground. I'm going to guess that they give him a ridiculous schedule as sort of an initiation into the league, both OU and Texas. But yeah, I who who knows, man. I I guess we'll uh, broach that subject when we get there. Patrick says we'll be in the SEC in 2024. New playoff starts in 24. USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten. No way SEC isn't at full strength. It's just posturing by Big 12 and Fox. Um, yeah, I, I, look, we both think that they're going to be in the SEC in 2024, and it sounds like the text line is, is thinking that as well. But the next couple of months will for sure be interesting, that's for sure, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more reports from Pete Thamel and Brett McMurphy over the course of the next 60 days or so. But um, the 2024 class, some dominoes are starting to fall, and they're starting to fall on the quarterback front. I guess we got Walker White committing in about five minutes. To Clemson. Or as, oh, he's going to Clemson? Is, is, that, is that the story? Because uh-huh. Auburn, Clemson, and Baylor, I guess, will have uh, hats on the table for this one. And it will be Clemson. So, OU had the offer, what, about three, two, three weeks ago? And that, I mean, it just never materialized from there, I'm guessing. Yeah, and it, it doesn't need hard. to. Like, it, it doesn't really need to. Oklahoma's sights are set on Michael Hawkins. I believe they will get Michael Hawkins. Hopefully we will not be talking about the quarterback position in the 2024 class beyond the month of March. Yeah, I would guess that, you know, you offer Walker White. You're not even in his top three. His top three consists of Auburn, Clemson, and Baylor. I, I got – how I'm going to approach this man, and I've approached it as – look, I, I think OU is getting Michael Hawkins at the end of the day like you are. But this something like this makes me feel even more confident that OU's not going to have a hat on the table and they're not really in this race. It feels to me that you know maybe he takes another OU offer, maybe he touch, takes another TCU offer, like you were saying earlier, before he makes a decision. But I got to feel like something like this, OU believes that they're in about as good of a shape as possible for this four-star QB. Well, they are in about as good of a shape as possible. I... I don't know what the recourse would be if Michael Hawkins doesn't pick Oklahoma, but I'm really not convinced that that's something Oklahoma is worried about right now. I think especially with how close he is with so many of those other DFW area prospects that the Sooners are going after, I think the mission right now is get Michael Hawkins in the class, get four or five of his buddies in the class early, see what kind of momentum that can lead to. Uh, and then build your class around that nucleus that's going to come from the northeast side of DFW. Yeah. Well, 2024 recruiting um, is is underway, and I was reading some 2024 storylines to follow just kind of across the country in this class for college football. What would you say, if I were to ask you, like, okay, what are two or three storylines to follow with this 2024 class? David Stone would probably be one of them. Maybe maybe Michael Hawkins be one of them. Like, what's some twenty four storylines to know? Is you know we're we're still early in the month of February, but like, what's some things, a couple of things OU fans need to watch for with this class? Well, I think if you're an OU fan, two things in particular that immediately spring to mind. One, how much does a how much of a player does Colorado become in your regular recruiting hotbeds? Because 
Uh, kids are buying what Deion Sanders is selling. And it remains to be seen how much of a tangible impact that's going to have, at least in terms of the guys that Oklahoma is going after, the truly elite guys. Colorado just offered Williams and Winery not 15 minutes ago. Uh, so that's another guy that they're now battling Oklahoma for. But they've established a very strong presence within the Sooner State. And I'm curious to see, especially if they start winning this fall, how much traction they're going to get in some of those recruiting battles that OU is going to be no doubt involved in. And I think the other thing, Tyler, is this budding rivalry on the trail between Oklahoma and Michigan State. Oh, you yeah. just offered Nicholas Marsh about an hour ago. Nicholas oh, wow. Marsh is a four-star wide receiver in the class of 2024 that's committed to, wait for it, Michigan State. Hmm. Okay. So the Brooke latest haymaker. Mel Tucker. Okay. Well, we, we know that they had they extended an offer OU first earlier this week to David Stone's best friend that plays at Westmore, correct? And then Michigan State extended that offer like the next day. So I don't know if Michigan State's going to turn into a uh, routine recruiting rival. I would guess no, but you're right, man. I never thought OU would be going head-to-head against Michigan State for kids, and here we are at least as long as Mel Tucker's there. It's weird. It is weird, but I think, oddly enough, this has kind of become Mel Tucker and his staff's strategy, Try to pull as many kids as they can from Oklahoma's backyard. I don't know why that is. Uh, I think maybe it has to do with the fact that they kind of cracked the code in the state of Oklahoma, or at least in their minds they did, and they got by Job out of OU's backyard, and so they're trying to lay the foundation of a pipeline, and they look at the great OU teams of old and how much of an Oklahoma presence they've been on that roster, and they figured, you know what, let's let's tap into this. This isn't the only area we need to recruit, but this is certainly an area that, especially now that we have the in with by Job, we can try and leverage our presence here as much as possible, but... Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be one of those things that either gains traction or fizzles within the next year. Depending on what happens in the 2024 class, either Michigan State is going to be a player in the state of Oklahoma and around the state of Oklahoma for years to come, or next January we will not be talking about Michigan State as it pertains to any local prospects. You mentioned Deion Sanders in Colorado. I always think that that's an interesting subject at this point. And they're going to get kids out of state. Like, you're right. Like, it's obvious. Kids are buying what he's selling right now. They're offering kids in the state of Oklahoma. Cooper Alexander up the road in Washington has a Colorado offer right now. I think it's also important for the in-state kids that CU has. Like, you can think of a couple of OU examples, right? Josh Bates is out there. Uh, Gavin Sawchuck is from, the, is from the state as well. Like, let's see if Deion Sanders can lock up those kids in the state of Colorado. It's not the most talent-rich state that's out there, and OU's not bringing in six, seven kids a year from the state of Colorado, but they might get one or two kids a year that are pretty good, and that's obviously going to get a lot more difficult moving forward if – you know, Dion starts winning some games. The recruiting uh, rankings get even higher and higher. Like, recruiting in that state has been somewhat pretty easy here recently. It might get a whole lot more difficult. It could. But, again, I, I think much as with any conversation that pertains to recruiting, I think a lot of it is contingent upon wins and losses. And that ties right back into the Michigan State conversation, too, right? Sure. If Michigan State goes 5-7 and seven again in 2023 – do we realistically think the Spartans are still in play for any Oklahoma kids by this time no, next year? No, I would say Mel I would Tucker, say no. like, there's a world in which Mel Tucker is out of a job if that happens. Now, they've committed so much money to him that I think that's unlikely, but 
people are going to get real unsettled if you don't start seeing wins on the football field for Michigan State. And Colorado's kind of in the same boat. Either they're going to win and it'll be fine and dandy, sunshine and roses and rainbows for Deion Sanders up in Boulder, or the whole thing really isn't going to take root and we will remember this as the great Colorado debacle. Uh, a couple texts before we hit a break. You see that Michigan State team last year, says a texter in the 512 area code. Sorry, but I don't think Mel Tucker lasts more than two years before being fired. Um, judging by wins and losses, you're probably like you're probably right. But here's the, I don't know what his buyout is after that massive contract extension he got a year ago. Like, does Michigan State have $30 million in a couple of years to pay for a buyout for Mel Tucker? And maybe it won't be that much in a couple of years, but – I, I don't know. I just don't view Michigan State as a program that's going to be able to have a Texas A&M-sized buyout a year from now or anything like that. No, and they haven't proven that what they're doing is sustainable yet because they had an awesome year in 2021. I don't want to take that away from them. But it's looking like a flash in the pan, and I think you have this season to try and prove that it wasn't just a flash in the pan. But again, if you go 5-7 and seven again or 6-6 six and six or somewhere in that neighborhood, a lot of people are going to regard that 2021 season for Michigan State as a product of the greatness of Kenneth Walker, not Mel Tucker. Why is Michigan State a factor? They get killed by the bigger teams of the Big Ten, says the texture in the 405. Well, their head coach right now, Mel Tucker. He has a history of being a really good recruiter, and he's a really good recruiter as a head coach. Am I, am I missing anything else there with Michigan State? No, not particularly. And Mel Tucker is still – his resume is somewhat short as a head coach. And so it's, I think his reputation is still taking shape. But when you have a season like you do in 2021 where expectations really weren't that high from anybody nationally for Michigan State – and you go win double-digit games and are knocking on the door of the college football playoff, people are going to start to pay attention. And when people start to pay attention, recruits start to pay attention. Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439. Keep it coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. i got to tell you where I'm at today because it is one heck of a deal. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry right here in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. It's the Super Bowl sale. And here's the deal, guys. Listen very closely to this. Super Bowl sale starting today. It goes through Sunday. If you donate five cans of soup, five cans of soup, you can get one item 50% off here at Mitchell's. Or if you can't go buy the grocery store and get five cans of soup, you can also just donate $10 in cash, and you're going to get one item for 50% off. Some exclusions apply. They are supporting Meals on Wheels. Come check out this awesome deal at Mitchell's Jewelry in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. More Cruton on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Ref Army tuned in nationwide today. Honolulu, Hawaii checks in today via the ref app. Pensacola, Florida is tuned in. Centerville, Virginia, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Noble, Oklahoma, our small Oklahoma town of the day where, uh, oh, you got a PWO out of Noble in this class, correct? Brandon Harper himself, who I think was number four nationally in receiving yards in 2022. Nationally? Nationally, yeah. Ooh, you got him as a PWO, okay. Yeah, he was wildly productive. Had some scholarship offers. I think the best were FCS because he's not very big. But, yes, always wanted to be a Sooner. Uh, It was L.D. Washington, actually, in one of his last acts as Oklahoma wide receivers coach that reached out 
to Brandon Harper close to maybe even on National Signing Day or early signing day in December was like, hey, come on, be a Sooner, let's do this. That would leave quite the legacy, wouldn't it? If it's like one of the last <laughs> things he did on campus is he turned a PWO into a, you know, like a, a star, a three-year starter or something like that. Wow. Yeah, we, we might be singing the praises of L.D. Washington in four years. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Super Bowl sale here at Mitchell's Jewelry in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. And this is a sale, fellas and ladies, that you want to be a part of. Five cans of soup. You can donate five cans of soup and get one item 50% off. How good of a deal is that? Like a, Less than a couple of weeks until uh, Valentine's Day, five cans of soup, get one item 50% off, or just donate a crisp $10 bill, and you can get one item for 50% off as well. They're supporting Meals of Wheels here at Mitchell's Jewelry. It's the Super Bowl sale. Um, okay, so here's a hypothetical question that we threw out yesterday on The Rush, but I'm going to revise it a little bit. In a Q&A on The Athletic, they said, okay, now you have the choice. A magic genie appears, Parker, and you have two choices. One, you can wave the magic wand, and it guarantees your team a national championship, one national championship. You can only win one national championship in the next 20 years. Okay. You can wave that wand and make that championship happen, or you can say, no, nah, I'm good, chips on the table, let's, let's see where it lands. Maybe I can get two or three out of that in the next 20 years. I'm going to revise that to a recruiting question. Okay. If you were an OU staffer and that same genie appeared, but this time he said, wave the wand and you can get one number one class for the next 20 years, would you take that or would you take your chances in the next uh, two decades? I think you'll take the number one overall class because, look, if you're confident in your philosophy, if you're confident that it's going to pay off in the long run – why wouldn't you just take the number one class and then the other 19 years that you have just count on that philosophy yielding huge benefits on the recruiting trail? I think Oklahoma is going to consistently be a team that under Brent Venables is in the top 10, if not the top five, every single year as far as recruiting is concerned. And those are the types of classes that you can build a championship program around. I don't think you need a number one class in order to put yourself in national championship contention, or as Clemson proved in the past, to win a national championship. But if you were to get a number one class, if you could guarantee that Oklahoma could get a number one class at some point, I feel as though you'd absolutely take that. Yeah, so you're waving the wand, give me the one number one class for the next 20 years. You're not saying, let it ride, maybe you can get two or three for the next 20 years, correct? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't do that. Just because NIL is going to factor in so heavily in the years to come that it's going to be the type of deal where Alabama is always near the top and Georgia is always near the top as long as Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are their head coaches. But there might be some fluctuation year after year as to who ends up in contention for the number one class because year to year there may be schools that are more willing than they were in the past to open up the pocketbook and try to buy a few elite recruits to help their chances of putting themselves in the conversation for a national title one day. I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, it's it's not as – like, would you like to have the number one class every single year? Yeah, of course. But like you said, like, Clemson never I – don't I don't think they ever had a top three class when they were on their run winning a couple of national championships. So it's not the most important thing. Developing is the most important thing. But I don't think that you can have the 19th, 25th, 33rd, and 24th ranked class and win a title. You're obviously going to have to recruit up there consistently with the big dogs is what I think. Yeah, well – By I the way – no, it's just I'll add one final thought. As far as the national championship conversation is concerned, 
I understand if people want to make that trade and just take the one national title, but I also think the premise there, right, is that you only get that one national title over That's the it. next 20 years. You yep. only get that one national title. And so I think if you're an OU fan and you're projecting the future under Brent Venables at Oklahoma, a national title is one of those things that – realistically you're expecting to happen at some point you're expecting Oklahoma to climb the mountaintop once again under Venable's direction I don't know if you can expect that in the next 20 years you're going to have a number one overall recruiting class because over the last 20 years for instance Oklahoma's only ranked as high as I believe fourth I think this past cycle tied their highest ranking ever in the modern recruiting era so can you count on number one recruiting class over the next 20 years? I don't know if you can. And so by that logic, I would say, yes, you take the number one class if you can. I, yeah, I would tend to agree. And I would also agree. Like Teddy and I both said, no, I'm not waving the magic wand. Let's let the chips fall where they may. Like, if you can get the one, then maybe you can really build on and turn it into something like Clemson did, winning another one two years later. So I, I, I'm with you. And the text line, I think it was about – 90-10, maybe 95-5, saying, no, I'm not going to wave the wand, just one title in the next 20 years. Yes, everyone is waiting on one, growing impatient a little bit, but let's let the chips fall here and, and let's try to get maybe two or three of those in the next 20 years. And, you know, some people's rebuttal was, well, it's about to get more difficult in the SEC. Well, I went back and looked, Parker, and if you want to talk about the original 12 members or the members, uh, the 12 members of the SEC from 20 years ago – Five of those have all won national, or five five of those programs have won national championships, and four out of those five have won multiple national championships in the past twenty years. And Auburn was a stop away from joining those other four as five teams in the SEC the past twenty years that have won multiple titles. So it's not just a one or a two team league. There are several teams in the SEC that have won national championships over the past twenty years. And honestly, man, if Auburn can do it, I think OU can. Uh, yeah, speaking of which, Auburn just got a commitment from Walter yeah, White. Yeah, did. Or Walker White. I did I did the slip. Heisenberg. Uh, yeah, Heisenberg himself, which, oh boy, that came out of the blue. That's the first surprise of the 2024 cycle, I would say, because I think the industry had just about conceded that he was going to be a Clemson Tiger. But he is he's, – he's a Tiger, all right, just not a Clemson one. So, officially off the board. I think in terms of the quarterbacks that Oklahoma has offered – as I'm thinking about the guys that are still uncommitted, I'm pretty sure it's just Michael Hawkins and Michael Van Buren, unless there's somebody I'm forgetting. But Do, do you think they're ready to fire Muleshoe Jr. out of Clemson yet after missing on this one? <laughs> no, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of time left in this 2024 class. A lot of guys, especially at the quarterback position, that will rise up and become national names, guys that aren't on anybody's radar yet. And Garrett Riley... I'm sure has, and I don't know what his board looks like, but I would imagine he's got some guys in mind that he's going to push for, and they're not going to regard it as the end of the world that they didn't get Walker White out of the state of Arkansas. Um, pull up that top uh, text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I'm pretty sure the way it looks, they just sent a photo, is that they're sitting um, in their car, because I can see the steering wheel in the background, and they just made notes of, Clemson's recruiting class rankings under Brent Venables. Yep. I don't know if they did that on the fly or if that's an old photo, but I'll share it with you because it's good work. Uh, Brent got there in 2012. Here's their recruiting rankings. 20th, 15th, 16th, 
ninth, 11th, 16th, 7th, 10th, 3rd, and 5th. So basically, they didn't have a top 5 recruiting class and barely had a top 10 recruiting class until they already had two national championships on Right, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Which, again, yes, it's about recruiting, but to a much greater extent, it's about development. It's about evaluating, finding guys that are right for your system that you believe in and that you think are cultural fits at your program and squeezing every last ounce of meaningful football you can get out of those guys for four years. Uh, this text says, I'm turning 50 this year. I'll take the wand. I want to at least enjoy one national championship before <laughs> I'm 70. Fair point. Fair point. Wave that wand, and uh, I hope you live it up. Gunny says Parker's wand would be no recruitments of the Bowen of uh, recruits like the Bowen saga. Mine would be oh. no no five star recruitments whatsoever. <laughs> I'm swearing Williams Nwaneri because he's at least Summit North, which is actually where I'll be tomorrow morning. Uh, is the only five star I'm going to cover in the 2024 cycle. I'm throwing all the rest on Brandon. Hey, by the yeah, you're going to you're leaving for Kansas tonight, correct? That's correct. Are you going to be in the Kansas City area this weekend? I will. Okay, well, that's perfect because I've been meaning to ask this for the past couple of days. Like, we, we expect the state of Texas to obviously be big in 24, state of Oklahoma to obviously be big. They're going to try to get into Florida again. They just had a lot of success in Kansas City. I think they just got the highest-ranked player to ever come out of Kansas City. Yes. How big of a factor is KC going to be – in this 24 class. I think, I think OU has the chance to do some damage up there. And we've talked about Williams and Winery. He may end up being the highest rated prospect ever to come out of Kansas City before it's all said and done. He's going to challenge P.J. Atabare. Uh, number three overall prospect and number one defensive lineman in the country per our uh, rankings at 24-7 sports. So that's obviously the guy that's going to generate the most buzz. But I think Oklahoma has – more than a puncher's chance in the recruitment of four-star tight end Jaden Reddle out of Raymore Peculiar, four-star offensive tackle Andrew Sprague out of Rockhurst, and four-star edge rusher Jay Sean Ross out of Liberty North. Another couple guys that I'm going to check in with this weekend would be a couple recent offers for Oklahoma. Three-star safety Michael Boganowski from Junction City and three-star offensive lineman Caden Massey out of Linden, Kansas. Two other guys that OU's sitting pretty for right now. So I think OU, like I said, they got the chance to do some damage up there in the KC Metro. And if you can get a whole bunch of those guys in the boat in the class of 2024, it's going to be all the easier to come back around to that vicinity in 2025 and subsequent years and say, hey, come be a part of the pipeline. Yeah. By the way, I was looking at Colorado's in-state recruitment for the past two cycles, and I, I probably should have gone back a little bit further than that. Um, every top 15 player in the state of Colorado in the 23 class went out of state. <laughs> every single player in the top 15 was out of state. I understand Dion got hired late in the cycle, so maybe that contributes to it. But in 2022, uh, CU only got one of the top eight players in state. Um, I'm interested to see if that changes under Deion Sanders. And it will I'm change. I guess that it probably does. Again, it's kind of unfathomable, all things considered, that Colorado has been as bad as they have been for the last decade and that they have recruited as poorly as they have recruited. So the bar is on the floor, granted, but Dion's going to do some stuff up there on the recruiting trail, not just locally but nationally. 405-651-3439. Keep those texts coming on a Friday. More curtain on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref.
Locked in with McComas and Thune live on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. I'm at Mitchell's Jewelry in Norman today for the Super Bowl sale. Starting today, going through Sunday, five cans of soup. If you come by and donate five cans of soup, you're going to get one item 50% off. That's an incredible deal here at Mitchell's Jewelry. Or if, like, hey, I can't go by and get five cans of soup, just come by and donate $10, and you're still going to get that 50% off of one item. Mitchell's Jewelry. Right here in Norman, 2201 West Main Street. And I said the uh, sale goes through Sunday. They're open noon to 4 on Sunday, if that's the only day that you can uh, that you can make it out here. Here's an impressive stat, not a surprising stat, and a stat that I don't really think is going to change all that much moving forward. This comes from Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports. Parker, the SEC, as a conference, signed 102 of the top 247 recruits in this past cycle. Mm -hmm. That's more than the Pac-12. That's more than the Big Ten. And that's more than the ACC combined. And that's counting 102 without OU in Texas. Imagine what that number's because that trend to me is not going to change. I can't even imagine what that number is going to look like moving forward. When OU is about to have, in my opinion, some of their highest-ranked classes, and you know Texas isn't slowing down anytime soon no. on the recruiting front. No, and I think if you factor OU and Texas into the mix, that number probably gets oh, offhand. I would say you're up between 125 and 130 of the top 247. So, yeah, look, the SEC is where the best football is played these days. It's where you can find many of the top recruits. And, look, I think we're quickly approaching a juncture in college football where there's going to have to be a seismic shift if these programs that are outside the SEC right now want to be able to keep up with the Joneses. And in this case, the Joneses are Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Oklahoma, and the other schools that will be the powerhouses of the new SEC. Right now, Ohio State seems to be a program that's right there on the cusp every single year of taking that next step. They just haven't Gotta been able get to do defensively, it man. under Ryan yeah. Day. I don't think Clemson's going anywhere. I don't want to disavow them. I think there's reason for excitement at Oregon. And, look, depending on how quickly things come together for Deion Sanders at Colorado, we, we may be a few years out from having that conversation, but there's a chance they get really good really quickly as well. Um, to the text line, Sam and Edmund says, who will be the first commit? And if it's Hawkins at QB – or if it isn't Hawkins at QB, then what's plan B? I imagine sitting behind Arnold for three years doesn't appeal to very many prospects. Look, I – I am one of those that believes if Jackson Arnold's college career goes as we expect it to go and the injury bug doesn't bite, that's a guy that's going to spend three years at the collegiate Agreed. level and then he'll be playing NFL football. Yep. I mean, he is a budding superstar. And so whoever Oklahoma lands at quarterback in the 2024 class, I would say is sitting behind Jackson Arnold uh, most likely for only two seasons. And we talked about this yesterday, but the Hawkins family, and especially Mike Sr., who goes back nearly 20 years with Jeff Lebby, uh, they are very cognizant of the fact that if Oklahoma is the choice, they're coming in behind Jackson Arnold. But they've also been informed by the OU staff. They've, they've had those conversations. They've discussed what the dynamic would look like, and their expectation is that by year two, ideally Michael would redshirt in year one, take a year to learn the system, but by year two – because of his athleticism and his speed, he's starting to see the field in some packaged looks, the likes of what Kyler Murray was doing in 2017 when he was sitting behind Baker Mayfield. So 
I get it that these days in the era of the transfer portal, you think you hear a guy say, "I'm willing to come sit for two years." Your first thought is, "Okay, that's BS." But that's why well, like, I shared the numbers yesterday. What was it? If you didn't start one game your first two years, eighty-seven percent of guys ended up uh, leaving. Yeah, exactly. Eighty-seven. So I understand if. You hear that message coming from the family, coming from the kid, and your first thought is, well, that's garbage. No, you're not. But it seems they're legitimately content with coming in behind Jackson Arnold. And by the way, they're also big Jackson Arnold fans. Jackson and Michael are very close, have been for a while. They have stayed in touch regularly ever since Michael got the offer from Oklahoma all the way back in July. Jackson Arnold's been recruiting his replacement. Huh. He's been actively recruiting Michael Hawkins to Oklahoma, which, A, says something about Jackson Arnold's confidence because what that tells you is he's not worried about somebody coming in and taking his job. But also, I mean, that's a program guy right there. That's a guy that's willing to go out of his way to make sure that you're set for ye- for the years beyond the years that he's going to be there at every single position across the board. Uh, text line, did Bama get Tommy Reese? That is a very well-timed text. Because according to Parker's best friend, Tom Loy, over there at the Notre Dame 24-7 site, sources have informed Tom Loy that Tommy Reese is expected to leave Notre Dame to become the next offensive coordinator at Alabama. Yikes! We hate to see it, Tyler. The leprechauns in shambles again. Man, what a tragedy. Just getting raided by the SEC and their coaches. Which, by the way, how do you feel if you're Sam Hartman? You know, you, you, you pick Notre Dame to – I think does okay, he just well, have one year left? Yeah, well, the question becomes, does he follow? Does he follow oh, Tommy Reese to Notre Dame? Uh, because we've talked about the fact that Alabama was supposedly going to be in the market for a transfer quarterback and that that quarterback was going to be Drake May until he shut that all down and said, I'm going to North Carolina. There was traction to that Alabama-Drake May thing behind the scenes. I know that much. So – does this become the contingency plan? Does Sam Hartman become your one-year bridge to Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow or Eli Holstein, whoever it may Jeez. be? You know, Bama might already be preseason top two. I, I, like, I'm going to guess Georgia's probably preseason number one and then yeah. Bama two or Ohio State, but Bama will solidify themselves as the preseason number two team, potentially maybe even number one if they get Sam Hartman. Uh, at some point this offseason. That would be – that's a game changer for them. I mean – That's a game changer. Because you got to think about it, right? Sam Hartman has already graduated from Wake Forest. He's entering what will be his sixth season of college football, uh, his final year of eligibility. And so he's not bound to Notre Dame. If he wants to hit the transfer portal again – he can do it. Gabriel did it, right? Is it not the same thing that Dylan Gabriel did? Well, no, because Dylan Gabriel never was – he never enrolled at UCLA. He oh, never attended okay. classes right, okay. at UCLA. So, he, in technicality, he was never a, days. a UCLA Bruin because <laughs> transfers don't sign letters of intent. They just show up. So, yeah. I would imagine if I, – <laughs> I, I would hope Sam Hartman has showed up for classes at Notre Dame the last couple weeks. But at the end of the spring – or I would figure even before the end of the spring, he could take off. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I And, and maybe he's I, – I have no idea who's on the short list for the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job, but um, if Bama comes t- calling, I'm sure that'd be hard to turn down. This text says, I really don't like that hire for Alabama. I think Saban could have done a lot better, but who knows? Throw anyone who's played Madden into that coach's box, they can call plays for that level of talent to succeed. 
Yeah, I think that he, he could have done better as well. You know why? Because he tried to do better. He tried to get Jeff Levy. He tried to get Washington's offensive coordinator. Nick Saban did not get option number one or option number two. I don't know where Tommy Reese falls in the grand scheme of options for Nick Saban, but he probably fell pretty far down the list. Like He, he didn't get Levy. He didn't get the OC at Washington. And who else knows who he struck out on? Okay, and look, I, I mean, we say that, but I – I'm going to play devil's advocate here, or rather contrarian, and I'm going to be the one that says, you feel like Nick Saban really has strong druthers on who his coordinators are? How often do we talk about the coordinators at Alabama on a year-to-year basis? How often often do we say midseason, so-and-so coordinator at Alabama is doing a really good job? No, it's always, oh, look, Nick Saban has Alabama where they always are. It it is true, but his past two coordinators, obviously Pete, Golding was told to go find another job, and I'm guessing Bill O'Brien did too. So I, I agree with you. He's had a ton of success, no matter who's there. But the past two guys, Bama fans were ready to run them out of town in about November of last year. By the way, as first reported on the text line by a listener in the 918, who no doubt is sending this in with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek, says, Andy's coming for Levy, and he's bringing JFA and Bowen with him. Mm, okay, good luck with that one. It'll go down just like the Baltimore Ravens rumor. Yeah, it'll also, last for about 12 hours, then it'll disappear. Last thing on this conversation, I wouldn't be surprised, based on a couple texts I've gotten in the last few minutes, if Tommy Reese isn't the last Notre Dame staffer to depart mm. this offseason. You heard it here first. Marcus Freeman, secondaries coach at Alabama next year. <laughs> Is that what you're hinting at? Uh, not remotely, but people oh, okay. if, if it ever comes to fruition, people know what I was hinting at in retrospect. Final, final, uh, final segment of Locked In coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. I'm live at Mitchell's Jewelry today in Norman, where it's the Super Bowl sale starting today through Sunday. They're open uh, noon to four on Sunday, by the way, and it's real simple. Real simple for an amazing deal. Bring by five cans of soup. You're going to get 50% off of one item. How good is that? Yeah, come take advantage of it. Today, tomorrow, and Sunday from noon to 4. Well, Sunday they're open noon to 4. Come tomorrow as well. And today I'll be here until 6 p.m. Mitchell's Jewelry, 2201 West Main Street. So uh, big news today for the 2024 class. Four-star quarterback Walker White picks Auburn over Clemson and Baylor. And I'm looking at 24-7 sports right now, Parker, and they have the – Instant impact recruit slash transfer portal player for each Big 12 team. They have Deshaun McCall at OU, and I'm not Naturally. the least bit surprised. Yeah, I, you could make a case for P.J. Atabare, I think, but Deshaun McCall is like a plug-and-play starter. Yeah. Like, that is the answer, I think. Yeah, he is. Also, in, in arguably bigger news today, Nick Saban's driving around Tuscaloosa with his anthem blaring <laughs> through the speakers, <laughs> top down. He got his guy, baby. He got Tommy Reese as the OC, so we can put that conversation. We can put that conversation to bed. Uh, they still have to hire a defensive coordinator now, which again, it doesn't doesn't really matter because Nick Saban is going to do Nick Saban, regardless of who he's got as his OC and his DC. But the hits keep coming for Notre Dame, man. Uh, yeah. Somebody on the text line said uh, the real conspiracy is this is to get to Delan McCullough for his two sons. Yeah, let's hope not. I uh, like exactly where his two sons are at right now. Yeah, uh, by the way, at the University of Oklahoma. Fun little note to end the week on. 
I got a text from Malachi Coleman probably about half an hour ago. He said, and our our national writer twenty four seven sports Chris Hummer came out and did a fantastic feature story on Malachi the other day, and for months I would say it and nobody would believe me, Tyler. Oh, you quit recruiting Malachi Coleman because they saw him as more of a receiver, didn't want to scare off any of their current commits. They were like, he has to have off-field issues. And then Chris Hummer came out with a story detailing what kind of person Malachi Coleman is off the field. And it thankfully shut up a lot of that obnoxious noise. But Malachi yeah. texted me and he said, I got a bunch of OU fans apologizing to me because of how they handled my recruitment and hoping for me to come in the transfer portal. Is, um, isn't he donating like all of his NIL money? Yes, he is. Was that in the story? Is that where I saw that? Uh-huh. All of his NIL money is going to a uh, foundation for kids in the foster care system, which is wow. what he was at one point. Good for him. That's awesome. That's a cool story. Uh, by the way, Alan Bowman, 24-7 Sports, says he's the biggest um, instant impact addition for Oklahoma State. JoJo Earl for TCU. Anthony Hill, five-star backer at Texas. So, not really surprised by any of those, especially OSU's dead on, OU's dead on. I think probably Texas and uh, TCU's are, are dead on as well. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.